0: And with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris,
1: how are you? The big 4-0, huh? Yes, we are 40 episodes old, pal. How's that make you feel? Old, I guess. This is now almost a year ago that we started... Yes, Chris, <laughs> you are correct.
0: <laughs> I believe mid-January will mark our one-year anniversary. Now, we have something very special planned for our listeners, but we'll have to uh, release that at a later date and time. But let's just celebrate what we're here to celebrate tonight, pal, and that's episode number 40. So, you know, Chris... show's going through its midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, indeed it is. It is time to stuff a sock down this fucking podcast pants, pal. Oh boy! So, with all that said,
1: pal, how are you? I'm I'm good. I'm pretty good. You know, the, the weather's been okay. That's that's the big thing with me this time of year. It has been a little warm. It is getting warm. Yes, it is creeping it's, it's up. Cooling down now, but I don't. When it, when I see rain coming, when it could be snow, that's when I start getting agitated. Well, I think it's always a
0: good sign when you start seeing some sleet. Like, a couple times where it said it was supposed to snow, there's now been some sleet. The precipitation is getting a little more dense, which uh, I'm a fan of. I mean, even if there's no accumulation, I'll take it.
1: Yeah, there's nothing better. Even on, like, a cloudy, cold day, and just get some, like, flurries or something. kind of gives you that, like, nice winter feel that, that you want around the holidays, anyway.
0: You're coming up this weekend, Chris, to get your Christmas tree with me. Maybe we can cuddle.
1: Negative. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wear a mask. I don't give a fuck what you wear. <laughs> no. This is definitely, yeah, th- there's nothing better than going up there for a treat, because the just the setting up there is way better. Don't you
0: dare reveal where I live, Chris. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and if you would like to uh, contact. Bill, if you'd like to join us. <laughs> yeah, this is a great time of year, but... Uh...
0: I fucking love it. No matter what, the world may be uh, going to hell in a handbasket, but... The boys here at Between the Cracks Podcast, we are living in a world of positivity, and I think we're going to take all our listeners with us, Chris. I am feeling the good vibes all over the place, and I've got to tell you, pal, our merch is selling. Last night, I logged on to see that we just sold a new fucking hoodie that I had just put up the other day, a BTC POD hoodie hoodie and I mean this thing looks pretty fucking nice if you want to show your support for us but you don't want to let people really know that you know us or you know <laughs> we're the ones you're supporting this is the way to go because it just Oh, BTC is your initials yes it's perfect <laughs> without saying you know these two fucking assholes who just tell nothing but fart and dick jokes you know you, you might not want to be associated with us but you may want to you know support us which is a great thing I'm all about helping people because I, I, I like helping people
1: but I hate people and I don't want to be around them does that make sense Chris? <laughs> Oh, oh! I get it, and I mean it's nothing better than uh, just going with the initials too, right? Because it could really just—you could make up whatever you want out of those initials. Oh, it's so fun. Fuck- necessarily have to be between the oh, <laughs>
0: It's so fucking good, man. So good. It's just so simple, and we sold one fucking right away. We sold that. I saw that we sold a mug, some fucking socks, all this shit. So I mean, the the movement is ongoing. I know that some listeners have been asking about a Patreon page. I did set one up. I don't know how the whole fucking thing works. So I don't want to promise people early access to episodes that they can't get. So what I'm going to do, and I think I'm going to do it through our host site. So if I pay an extra fee a month, they do the whole thing for me. And I think that's the route I'm going to go. So next week I will have uh, an official Patreon page set up for you guys to support the boys here at, uh, the BTC, uh, podcast. If you'd like, you know, whatever I realize times are tight. Don't, you know, if you need to fucking eat or you need clothing, please keep your money. Do not, do not, do, I'm begging you don't send it us, our, our way. Donate it to anybody that might need it. But if you want to, if you feel the need to, by all means, please do. But uh that's it, Chris. I mean, everything is going well in our world, and we really just hope in all sincerity, and I'm, I'm not going to put the dickhead music in because Lara got all over me last week when I gave the sincere thank you. I put the little uh, music underneath it <laughs> because I just thought the episode was so bad. Uh, I just, you know, I don't know. It just wasn't one of our best. So I wanted to add a couple little more comical features to it. So uh, I put that in underneath my uh, sincere thanks. And, uh, you know, Lara rode me over that. So, but uh, we really do want to continue to spread the love. And no matter what we want this to be, you're safe, haven. we don't give a shit what the world's view is on politics and, you know, being politically correct and all this fucking shit. We don't care. Here is your safe fucking place. We will make fun of everybody and anybody we can. You are fucking safe here. Put down your guard. We don't fucking give a shit. We make fun of ourselves. We'll probably make fun of you at some point. And uh, we hope that's what you want to hear. Right, Chris? (laughs)
1: How to drive your fan base away. (laughs) We might even make fun of you a little bit, you know?
0: (laughs) But seriously, the world just needs to fucking relax. Everybody needs to chill out. And I think, Chris, if you had to ask me, pal, we, the boys here at Between the Cracks Podcast, we're part of the solution. (laughs) Now, with all that said, Chris, our listeners realize how worldly we truly are. At least we thought they did, but maybe they didn't. Because tonight, pal, we're taking it to new extremes. Now, you may ask how. Do tell. How? How can the boys from the Between the Cracks podcast, who have shown how worldly and inclusive they are, take it to the next level? Huh. Bud, I'm about to tell you. Because tonight, we're going back to the 19th century. We're going back in a time-traveling submarine tonight, pal. We're going back to 19th century france what sub- do you think submarine? about that chris what do you ask what do you think about that
1: it's an interesting vessel to choose a submarine
0: just accept it chris get in the fucking thing and let's go all right chris so here we are we are in two of the century france we are here in the late 1800s in Poitiers, france of all fucking places now <laughs> never heard of it yes uh neither did i until tonight but um uh, Unfortunately, what brings us here is not so funny. Actually, the further I dove into the story, the more pissed off I fucking got. And this is a little-known story because it hasn't been covered very much, but there's a certain group of people that I think will know of this, and uh, they might be just as disturbed as us. And there's really no kind of way to... Even describe the darkness of this. We just have to get into it and kind of fly by the seat of our pants. Because tonight, Chris, we are talking about the disturbing case of Mademoiselle Blanche Monet. Our story begins in 1849, as I said, in Poitiers, France, where Blanche was born. Blanche grew up in a life of what some would say today as privilege. That's a word that's tossed around all, all over oh the media God, these days. I hate that word. Yeah, oh, it fucking annoys the shit out of me. So, anyway, so she grew up, and it basically means that she came from money. She, they were aristocrats and socialites. For the first 25 years of her life, Blanche was loving life, right? She was out at events, she was partying. She even managed to meet what she thought was the love of her life an older gentleman who was a lawyer. Apparently the family was so fucking rich that they looked down upon her dating this guy that was a lawyer because it wasn't up to par with the family standards. (laughs) because nowadays you look at a lawyer right that's the upper echelon right lawyers doctors all that shit but i guess at this point or based on this family's fucking value that they put on monetary earnings i guess this guy wasn't up to par so blanche's mom louise who is going to be a main character in this story apparently was unhappy with her daughter dating an older lawyer who was deemed not to be as successful as the family would have liked. Am I right, Chris?
1: They didn't like this lawyer one bit. And while she led a life of freedom in her first 25 years, unfortunately, things go a bit sour. But basically what happens here is because her family does not approve of this lawyer, and Blanche is quite infatuated with him.
0: Well, you use a good word there, Chris, of freedom, right? Because the family had so much money that Blanche didn't need a fucking job. She didn't have to worry about where her next meal was coming from. She was allowed just to go out at night and 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 socialize, basically, like as we said before, be a socialite.
1: Right, right. So she she's getting to the point in her age. I mean, you're talking about back then, you know, now being at the age of 25, she's looking for a suitor. So she wants... Someone to have a family with and get out of her house, you know, her parents' house. We're already hearing a lot about the mom. Where the fuck is the dad? So her father, uh, she did have a father, which they don't really mention much because he, uh, his name was Emil, but he actually passed away in 1879. Whatever relationship he may have had with her is really a, a moot point because he is not there to do anything about what happens.
0: You're right, Chris. He was not there to see what happens next because what happens next, no one, and I mean fucking no one, could have seen coming. As we said, life's all well and good for Bland. She's living with her mom, Luis. She has a brother. What's this dickhead's name? Marseille. Marseille. And you're going to see why I call him a fucking dickhead as we go on with the story. So she's living with the mother and the brother, and she's dating this older lawyer. Things seems to be going fine. She's socializing. There's no need for monetary stress. She's living her life. That's when old Louise, the old bag of shit, interjects with Blanche's life and is not pleased with the fact that she's dating this unsuccessful lawyer. Now we see where Louise is coming from, the mom. So she's unhappy with this. And apparently, you know, as Blanche's roaming around town with this guy, Louise, the mom, feels that, this is bringing down the family's image, right? They're these highfalutin aristocrats, and why would their daughter, who's this beautiful socialite... And I will say, usually when you look back at people and they say they're beautiful, especially the 1800s, 1700s, whatever, they're always kind of fucking ugly, right? I mean, she's actually fucking hot. It's, it's really weird to see, right? When you see the pictures of her in the late 1800s, I mean, this is a very attractive woman. It makes it all the more disturbing as to what happens next. Because, Chris, as the mom had voiced her displeasure with Blanche, that didn't dissuade Blanche at all. General rule of thumb is when you (laughs) have a child, especially a grown child at this point, or you have a grown adult as a child that's living with you, when you tell them not to do something, especially not to be around someone or... Not to have feelings for a certain someone. Sometimes, Chris, that will have a tendency to push them towards that person just a little more. Am I right, little buddy?
1: Yeah, you're right, because especially when you have a sick, twisted fuck like her mom. So, this is a different time we're talking about here. This is not like t- like today, where things would might be different back then. Especially in a family like this, think like arranged marriage type scenarios I mean, unfortunately, this does happen today sometimes, too. But like if you don't, you know, marry somebody who fits this perfect little description that your family has in mind for you, you're basically an outcast to the family. Absolutely. Right? So, so like the this day and age, if you're not marrying somebody that that is going to take great care of you very wealthy or like with a family like this then it won't be allowed it just won't be allowed of course with her being in the house now for 25 years she's getting a taste of like love for somebody at this point you can indeed fall in love this is not like puppy love like you can you you, you want a relationship with somebody she's 25 god damn it
0: have you ever tasted love chris
1: <laughs> i don't even know if i want to answer that question <laughs>
0: would you like to <laughs> you
1: get out of here <laughs> continue sound the alarm Fresh. Um, so yeah i, I mean she's going to be rebellious you know she she sees something in this guy that that she wants and you know she's having being told not to to carry on with it is it's not an option for her
0: so i think what you have here and it's the yin and the yang right so you have this fucking mother who is very controlling obviously but she's also affording you this lifestyle where you don't have to have a fucking job right you can go out and party all night and now you're you with this fucking guy that she doesn't like so you have this lifestyle that you like living right that is coming from the hands of your mom she's able to live this life that she wants but then she's being told what and what not to do By the person that is affording her this lifestyle. So now she's caught in a little bit of a pickle. Well,
1: she's trying to be caught in a Ah, pickle. Oh, my God. You sick fuck. God. Oh,
0: God. You make me sick to my stomach, Chris. (laughs) Anyway. What? I'm just
1: talking about cocktail pickles. (laughs) Cock?
0: (laughs) She has to um, decide what she's going to do. Are you going to listen to... uh, mommy dearest who holds the uh, monetary puppet strings or are you going to go with the penniless lawyer so she says to mom basically fuck you I'm 25 years old I like this guy and I'm going to continue seeing him regardless of what you say or what you do because the mom had a lot to say but what she decided to do was far worse (laughs) Why don't you tell the good people what that bitch, Luis, and that fat fuck, Marcel, is that his name?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Marcel,
0: that fat pussy, decided to do to the subject of tonight's topic. What did they do to Blanche?
1: So Blanche, as we mentioned, uh, not really listening to her mom or brother and Uh, wants to continue to see this lawyer, so she does, in fact, sneak out, seeing the lawyer. And one night, when she returns, trying to be very quiet as to not wake her mom and brother, she's met by, you guessed it, the mother and brother at the top of the stairs, waiting for her. By which, at this point, they grab her and throw her in the attic and lock the door. Dude, how fucking weird is that? How fucking weird
0: is that? Like, what do you think this girl was even thinking? I mean, you live 25 years with these people. I mean, I wonder if they've even shown any bit of who they are about to become to her. Because, you know, like you, you come home after a night of partying, probably like you've done for the last fucking six years, right? In, uh, you know, turn of the century France. I don't know how many hot spots there are, but she's probably out all the time. And uh, you probably see, you know, the mom and this fat fucking Marcel at the top of the steps all the time. And she was probably just ready to walk right past them. But not tonight. Like as Chris said, they fucking grab her and drag her into the fucking attic. You may think, okay, uh, what the fuck's gonna happen next, uh, Chris? That's the problem. Nothing happens again for the next twenty-five fucking years. Her mom, and,
1: yeah, her, Chris,
0: I her you, her mom. Her mom. It was a dramatic pause. Her mom. Her mom and brother threw her in the attic, locked the door, and walked away, Chris, for 25 fucking years.
1: That is just insane. I mean, you're talking about a 25-year-old girl who spends half of her life in an attic. There's mention that saying, like, oh, you know, uh, you know the mother and brother, they did this for her own good, and, and it was meant for basically her to stay in there until she changed her mind.
0: Yeah, basically saying, like, the, the mom wanted to scare her, and eventually have Blanche come out and say, you were right, I will not see him again. Basically, Blanche would be, you know, if she didn't even agree with the mom, she would at least fear for her own life, and, you know, want to go back to the life she was living, and subsequently... Follow the mom's orders.
1: Right. But Blanche Blanche actually stood her ground. And she said, you know what? I'll show her how strong my willpower, like my will is. My girl. Absolutely. That I am going to stand by my choices here. And she does. She stands her ground. And this leads to her next 25 years being locked in a dark attic, being fed scraps and... I mean, having to defecate in the same room, uh,
0: essentially ignored and, and basically starved death. And you're talking about not only the the physical aspect of it by being fed such a little amount and probably being dehydrated for all these years, but the the, the psychological effect that that would have of just being alone all the time. And we're gonna in the darkness co- and come absolutely and come to find out that uh, you know. That's exactly what happens. It's psychological warfare as as well as physical abuse on Blanche. Because obviously there were people that were asking questions about where was Blanche. You know, she was the socialite and now she's not around. And the mom came up with the story. She said that Blanche had basically lost her mind. And back then, mental illness was basically a a shame. So if you had somebody in your family that was mentally ill or, you know, um, disabled in some way, they would pretty much be hidden and tucked away from the rest of the world. Whether it be, you know, in a group home, inside the house, or in this case, in a fucking attic with a door locked and a key thrown away, basically forever.
1: There's not even any regret as to... keeping her in these conditions. So, like, what in their mind makes them believe that what they're doing here is right for her? Or are they just basically at this point saying, oh, well, she's a lost cause, so there's no sense in in trying to get to her head and straighten her out? And they just leave her up there? Well,
0: I, I think that there's two things going on here. I think they're so caught up in their bitch-ass money. First off, the, the brother's a pussy, so he's just going to follow whatever the fucking mom does because he wants an inheritance, that spineless fucking worm. So he doesn't give a shit about Blanche, the mom who is really the uh, architect of this whole fucking disgusting event she basically, at least what I would think, is that she left her in there and Blanche fought her for so long, longer than she probably expected and she's like now in a spot where she goes what am I going to do? I can't let her fucking loose after a year. She's going to tell everybody what the fuck I did to her. You know, Then I'm going to be arrested. So she basically played it up that you know, Blanche lost her fucking mind, as we said. And, you know, because there were reports of neighbors hearing Blanche scream, help me, please call the police, you know, and screaming for help. But nobody did a fucking thing. Because yeah, nice. mental illness was such a uh, had such a stigma attached to it at that point. Some of the neighbors probably believed what the mom said. Or, you know, they just didn't want to get involved. Or maybe they were afraid of the repercussions because this family had so much money. No matter what, money in a weird way buys you these uh, little escape hatches in some sort of ways. And I think that's exactly what happened in this fucking case. They either believe that there's no way that this mom who had raised his child since she was 25 would then lock her away in a closet. I would think that the neighbors probably believed Luis that Blanche did go fucking crazy. And now the funny thing here is if you hear Blanche screaming from upstairs, you know, they're like, Oh shit. You know, maybe the mom is right. Luis is right. She, she has lost her mind.
1: Uh, yeah. I don't know. You know, when you're in a situation like that where you're locked in, like in her case, when you were locked in uh, in a room or an area for an extended period of time, eventually she probably just became submissive and and getting used to that lifestyle and just not even fighting it anymore because it's such a mental fuck. So I, I wonder at what point where she was just like, this is my life and I'm not going to try to get out anymore because you would think... There would be some way, almost, to, to escape that room, whether it be breaking a window or, or was there even windows up there? I don't know. Well, um, we come to
0: find out, dude, that they locked the fucking basically the shutters. You know, like
1: oh right, that there were they
0: locked those fucking bitches closed, basically, and, and and she was so malnourished that she barely had the strength to even get out of the bed after yeah, after probably around the ten year mark. So you got to manage, dude. We're talking two and a half decades, twenty five. Fucking years, so you get locked in there, and I'm, I'm assuming that the concept of time probably goes by the wayside. So, if, if you're in complete darkness and you have no idea of the day and the time, I'm assuming that time would slow down in you, in your mind, right? Like, so maybe 10 years goes by and you would think it's three. I, I don't know because how much stimulation do you really even have to be able to identify day from night? day-to-day, day, you know, a- anything. I mean, except maybe when some scraps of fucking food are slid under your door that you would know that maybe it's evening or some shit. you got to imagine, as time goes on, people forget. They go on with their lives. It's not directly affecting them. So, you know, they move on with themselves. Maybe occasionally you hear a scream and like, oh, that's that crazy fucking Blanche or whatever. Sure, Louise is taking care of her and doing what she feels she needs to be done. The darker component here is how complicit so many people were in this travesty, right? So you had the mom, Louise a Marsh, fucking cell, whatever his name is. But then, as we said, the family was so fucking rich. They had basically maids and butlers and all the shit. People that were in charge of cleaning Blanche's room and feeding her daily. So she was allowed scraps. And, you know, I believe that some of the reports said like there were like. Remnants of fucking fish and rotted meat and stale bread. All this horrible shit. But the one thing that the mother had requested is that the maids come in there and change a sheet daily where she would shit and fucking piss, as you can imagine how fucking disgusting it was. But you got to imagine the complicity of these people. Was it fear or were they just worried about their next fucking paycheck? Uh, At which point does somebody decide... To stand up and break this Because you know it's not the pussy fucking brother And you know the mother's going to cover her own ass So we come to find out Chris, the attorney general Actually received a letter Informing him That there was a prisoner Being held at the Monet residence Now I'm going to read a bit of that Chris And we're going to try to unravel and see if we can find out who the fuck Actually wrote this Who was the whistleblower Our little attorney general here receives a letter, and I quote, it says, I have the honor to inform you of an exceptionally serious occurrence. I speak of a spinster who is locked up in Madame Monnier's house, half starved and living on a putrid litter for the past 25 years. In a word, her own filth. Obviously, they're talking about Blanche. But it took 25 years for someone to utter a fucking word, or in this case, a letter. So someone finally broke their silence, letting this attorney general know that there was a prisoner being held in Louise Monet's house.
1: So that that letter was received on May 23rd, 1901. And so she was put in this attic in march 1st of 1875 god almighty as we said roughly 25 years from at the age of 25 so now she is about 50 years old the word is officially out now and if i had to take a guess because this person clearly knew that she was living in her own filth they must have seen it i would say maybe a maid of some sort there were reports dude that it was actually the boyfriend
0: of one of the maids that was working at the house. He came by to visit her and, you know, have a good time or whatever the hell he had up his sleeve. And he probably heard the screaming or maybe she told him. But, you know, you got to figure, as we said, 25 years had gone by. So you're going to obviously hire new staff. Help comes and goes. So, I mean, at some point somewhere, you might have a disgruntled employee. So that might be the route you want to go to or take a look at maybe this was a person that worked there, got pissed off at a fucking four-eyed fat-ass Luis and said, you know what, I'm spilling the beans on this. The thing here though, dude, is that the person who wrote this letter even knowing what the police were going to find, still did not have the balls to leave their fucking name. So what kind of fear did this Monet family have over this entire fucking village?
1: At the very least, this person said something. Hopefully they said it upon discovery. Uh, and they didn't wait for years as it is the damage is done all right 25 years that you can't get back and and we're not talking about back then where people are living to 80s 90s all the time right so they basically get to the point where the police at first hearing with such an affluent family hearing this news they became you know they were almost reluctant to to check this out because they were like oh you know it, it couldn't be a family like this but They had to do their duty and they they had to investigate nonetheless. So they have to show up. So upon showing up to the Monnier home, they apparently knock on the door and although no one answers, they hear basically noise inside. So they know someone's in the house. They break down the door uh, to get in, and once they unveil you know what's going on in the attic, they see that in fact this letter was this person was telling the truth. Bill, why don't you tell us what one of the policemen described the state of her and the room
0: Chris I will, and then this is the part of the story where you will really start to feel your fucking blood boil, so we talk about the psychological effects, but you know the the physical ramifications are horrendous as well. so this cop fucking went through the door and he finally got into where Blanche was after twenty five years fucking mind you, and this cop says and i quote. The unfortunate woman was lying completely naked on a rotten straw mattress. All around her was formed a sort of crust made of excrement, fragments of meat, vegetables, fish, and rotten bread. So basically shit and food. All right, If you could fucking imagine, it was basically forming this moat around her. we ugh, It's fucking horrifying. We also saw oyster shells and bugs running across Mademoiselle Monnier's bed. Basically fucking roaches, I would assume, ants, any other fucking horrifying thing you could fucking have in there. The air was so unbreathable, the odor given off in the room was so rank, it was impossible to stay in there any longer to proceed with our investigation. You know, imagine these cops coming in there and they can't even stay. The trained professionals who've probably seen the worst of the worst, they can't even stay in there, right? And there were even reports that Blanche was so fucking psychologically out of it at this point that her only friends were the fucking rats in the mice that would come into the room to steal the remnants of her food. So you can imagine what these cops were fucking thinking. Imagine, you're probably thinking, oh, somebody's held captive in this thing. Ah, all right, let's just look into it. We have to do our due diligence. And then you see this dude. So, I mean, we could read about this in books and, and, and like these little stories, but imagine walking in on somebody who has been locked up Basically chained to a bed for 25 years without human interaction, without the simplicity of sunlight, with complete malnourishment. And just imagine the effect that that has on those fucking officers as well. And the, the, the demonic intent of the fucking mom and, and, and the
1: subservient fucking nature of that bitch-ass brother. We're talking emaciated to the to the point of being only 55 pounds? I mean
0: dude, my fucking six-year-old is 45 pounds. I can't even imagine that, you know? And, and there's a uh, there's an absolutely horrifying picture. The the one photographic piece of evidence that's taken, and I'm not going to post that because I just, I, I don't it's feel story. it's right. I don't feel it's right to do it. But if you Google Blanche uh, Monet, it's the first picture that will come up and you will see uh, the ramifications of the 25 years of being left in complete darkness and being completely malnourished.
1: Obviously, they're, they're going to take, you know, the, the mother and brother in for questioning, and they're going to get Blanche to a hospital ASAP. But she is so used to being in the dark that just, just being in light, she's so sensitive to the light because she's become so accustomed to living like a goddamn mole. They basically clean her, and I think she even said something like, wow, this is, it's so nice to, to have a bath and be clean again. I mean, like... The sim- talk about the simple fucking things in life, the simple pleasures. You know what I mean? Like, because she's been so deprived that just a fucking bath, you know, and she's like beside herself in excitement.
0: A very disturbing fact is that we said that she weighed fifty five pounds. When she was taken to the hospital, they had no other resort but to shave her head to get rid of the the, the, the lice ridden hair and the fact that it had been matted, probably with you know feces and urine. And- And the hair itself weighed four and a half pounds. So basically Blanche weighed 50 fucking pounds at the time she was found. They were able to try to help Blanche as much as possible, clean her up. But the damage, (laughs) as you can imagine, bro, has already been fucking done. There's, There's no coming back from that. Let's just be honest. Even if that was done today, there's no coming back. No psychological fucking evaluation. No magical psychiatric pill. You're as good as dead. Essentially, So the finger at this point is only pointed at one other person. And that would be our dear friend Louise, the mom.
1: So she's sentenced to, I believe, 15 months in prison, um, the mother. But she dies 15 days later. Just shortly afterwards, her, her arrest, she becomes ill and dies. 15 days later. I mean, good, but like at the same time, is it really though? She kind of just got out easy.
0: You know, once word got around town, mobs started to form, dude. (laughs) As we always like to joke about angry mobs. (laughs) Angry mobs started to form. So, but the, the weird thing about this ruthless fucking sack of shit, when the police came to the house to, you know, investigate and they found Blanche, she was just sitting downstairs as if nothing was going on. You know, it wasn't until the ramifications of her actions hit her when she was taken into custody and facing a lot of time in jail that she started to fucking panic. You know, she probably died of a fucking heart attack from stress, you know, because she didn't look all that fucking healthy. I'm guessing stress or maybe she fucking committed suicide. I don't know. But, you know, as Chris said, two weeks later, right, basically 15 days after they found Blanche, the mom dies. And yeah, I would have liked to have seen her suffer a little more, but just having her out of the way is kind of, you know, a little bit of justice as well. So now with the mother dead, and as we said, the father is previously deceased, the last person held accountable is that fucking fat little twit, Marcel, the brother. Now, all of a sudden, little Marcel, he's the helpless victim, right? He says that, you know, he didn't want to go against his mother. He thought that the sister really was sick and he was just trying to help, blah, blah, blah. At one point, he even says that, you know, his eyesight was so bad that he couldn't really see what was happening. Marcel is uh, saying that he was afraid of the mother. He was being abused himself. And somehow, after initially being sentenced to 15 months in prison, which... My God, I mean, I don't even think that's enough. What, you know, a a year and three months? They should have served... This day and age would probably be way worse. Yeah, they should have served that fucking nerd the same amount of times that he left, you know, knowingly left his sister locked up in that room in the same fucking condition. Anyway, he fucking is found guilty. The crowd's going nuts. Anyway, he appeals, as you would fucking expect... And he is acquitted, dude, and found to be mentally incapacitated. How could he be mentally incapacitated but also be a lawyer? What I'm guessing here, dude, is that he was found guilty and then the mom died. And who do we think inherited all that money? So I'm thinking he took that money and was able to buy his freedom so often as is the case even today.
1: One thing we didn't mention was that the lawyer that Blanche was seeing, he unexpectedly died in 85, right? So she she was seeing him up until 1875, and then she was locked away. And so he dies only 10 years later. And we don't know how old he was, I don't think. And we know he was older, but I doubt the age he died at was... It probably came to a shock, and they say unexpectedly, so it kind of makes you wonder at the same time if he was being inquisitive and trying to find out where Blanche was held or why she wasn't coming out, Yeah, if the family had anything to do with his death. Something tells me this guy was snooping around, and I think you're right, Chris. I
0: think there's more behind the story of his quote-unquote death then uh, meets the eye.
1: It clearly the mother has, you know, no remorse and is, is capable of doing horrific things. So that there's, you know, I wouldn't be surprised in the least. So Blanche is basically trying to be nursed back to health. But as we said, physical health is one thing, but your mental health is at this point pretty much uh, it's it's done. There, there's no uh, reversing a 25-year sentence in an, in an attic being treated the way she was. So she gets diagnosed with a ton of different things. Anorexia, nervosis, schizophrenia, um, exhibitionism, and disgustingly, coprophilia, which I'm assuming is something that's common with somebody that's been locked away for many years.
0: Look at this long-term psychiatric destruction that's been done to this poor girl. These people basically, for all intents and purposes, although she didn't die at that point, they got away with murder. They murdered this girl. They murdered her fucking soul.
1: This is way worse than murder. You're, you're talking about torturing somebody for 25 years. Uh, it's very unfortunate, even though she's she's now in the hands of healthcare care and, and she's able to at least be given good food and cleaned, uh, she does ultimately um, succumb to her, her, her mental damage, I would say. You know, at the age of 64 in 1913, which was only about 12 years after she was found. Her life ended at the age of 25. Once yeah. they
0: fucking locked her in that room and walked away, her
1: life was over. She lived 25 years, and she was a prisoner for the rest. Because I, even though she was released, I still consider her to be a prisoner uh, of the mind. Right, like you said, she she had a, she had died when she was 25 years old.
0: This is probably the darkest story I think we've covered. You wonder how many people out there, when you drive by a house or you drive by, you know, a building, I wonder, like, could there be someone locked up in this fucking basement? Or is there someone locked up in this attic against their will? You don't fucking know. As crazy as it sounds and as unlikely as it seems, you don't fucking know. But I will bet my life on it, bro. There are people locked up, maybe not too far from us, against their will. Oh,
1: yeah. 100%. It's always somewhere where it's not expected. You know, yeah. your neighbor might seem like this normal person, but you just don't know. Sick. Sad and sick.
0: Dude, that is the case. That is the unfortunate and uh, disturbing case of Blanche Marnay. I don't know, but I'm feeling a little down and dumb. Why don't you give the rundown this week? Cheer me up.
1: <laughs> well, if you want. <laughs> oh, no. That's not going <laughs> to do it if you want to get in touch with us, we do have a Gmail account, which is BTC 2020. Oh, not war world. No, no, I know something. BTC B, podcast. B, B, no, what the fuck? BTC P O D 2020 at gmail.com. There it is. I knew I was close. <laughs> uh, you got that, which Bill just mentioned. You also have us on social media, uh, between the Cracks podcast on Facebook, and also Between the Cracks podcast, is it Between the Cracks podcast or Between the Cracks?
0: Oh, this is terrible, Chris. Between the Cracks. <laughs> I'm
1: going to start from the beginning. Between the, Between the Cracks podcast. It's on both of them, like that, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, so you'll find us at Between the Cracks podcast. On Just
0: Facebook type in Between the cracks. the cracks. I mean, if it's not some fucking yeah. bizarre thing about uh, somebody's the asshole, the uh, podcast will fucking come <laughs> then up. Then you
1: found us. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> And, of course, as we did mention earlier, we are on Teespring, BTC, I believe you will find us. Yes. Uh, And uh, there's all sorts of worthless, useless things you could purchase on there uh, with our logo and other pictures on it. Um, (laughs) And then uh, we are on Patreon, as you mentioned, but you're going to figure... uh, I will figure that out sometime. I'm going to do that tomorrow. Tomorrow, that's my goal. So without any... Further, I do I think we uh we should send everybody off with the fondest Oh Farewell <laughs> No 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 hold on Chris yeah.